0: It is 7.08 in the Twin Cities. Uh, Well, certainly, I think a lot of people have been paying attention to the tragedy that occurred with Otto Warmbier. He's the uh, 22-year-old University of Virginia student who went uh, in 2016 on a tour group. Uh, He was visiting China and then apparently signed up for this five-day tour group with a group called Young Pioneers to go to North Korea. Uh, (laughs) There was an allegation that he had attempted to steal a propaganda poster Uh, from the hotel that he was staying at, and he was arrested and charged before he could leave the country, uh, sentenced to 15 years hard labor. Uh, There are now reports that actually he had been in a coma now for a year. He was uh, sent back to the United States about two weeks ago, and just um, last week he passed away. Uh, A lot of questions about what kinds of uh, repercussions there should be for North Korea, a lot of confusion about exactly where North Korea stands, Uh, a lot of uh, questions about should Americans be barred from traveling to North Korea. Uh, My next guest is Gordon Chang. He is the author of Nuclear Showdown, a book about North Korea. He is an expert on China as well as North Korea, and he is kind enough to join us now. Mr. Chang, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. All right. Let me ask you, sir, um, you know, I I actually did catch a little bit – of a actually 2020 an ABC show last night that was actually very good about and it talked about this hotel that, that tourists stay at when or most tourists stay at when they go to North Korea. sort of on an island and it's this large hotel and there's umpteen floors but there's no fifth floor and you're not supposed to go on it. And there are reports that uh Mr. Warmier may have in fact gone on this floor. There's a grainy surveillance tape. Uh, of a tall, um, Caucasian-looking person taking down a poster. Um, What are your thoughts about some of the reports of what might have happened with Mr. Wambier and and what what could have gone wrong there?
2: Well, he did try to take down the poster from that surveillance video that has been displayed. Um, And indeed, in a regime like North Korea's, that is extremely serious because it's an act of defiance. And leaders like Kim Jong-un, the ruler of North Korea, who are insecure, um, are worried that one act of defiance will be copied by another. Now, we in America, we live in a democracy, so symbolism is not that important to us because our government is legitimate. Um, But that's not the case in a lot of other countries. And Otto Wambier um, did something which I guess he did not know the significance of. But nonetheless, um, what the North Koreans did was brutalize him. There was no excuse for that. And there has to be some cost imposed on North Korea, otherwise uh, other regimes will think that they can also brutalize Americans and get away with it. All right. So, uh, so
0: that and that's what, what this report said. And they did have the surveillance video. And obviously, I suppose if, if an American college student ripped down a poster in an American hotel, there might be uh, a fine. There might be a misdemean- petty misdemeanor charge, something of that nature. But he was literally, um, you know, arrested, you know, pulled off the plane before he could get back on it to get out of there. Um, One of the things that I did think was interesting about this show is that they did say that he was very concerned because they told this tour group, don't take pictures of the soldiers and don't do this. And somebody who was with him said, you know, Otto was very concerned about taking inappropriate pictures. So he, he, he seemed to have some focus there. But um, and obviously this is just one person saying that, but are there very strict rules for, for tourists in terms of all those kinds of things?
2: Well, there are extremely strict rules, and, and the regime wants to prevent um, Americans and other to- foreign tourists from having contact with North Koreans, which is the reason why that hotel you mentioned is on an island because it's easy to control the residents there. The tour guides are, all, <coughs> excuse me, are all thoroughly trained, indoctrinated, Um, This is an attempt to basically um, make sure that there is as little contamination as possible. And so what Otto Wombier and others have gotten is the official view. He got to see what they wanted him to see. And so that's not nearly the real North Korea, um, but that's the way these tours operate.
0: And, uh, you know, it sounds as if from what I have read that he was uh, with a group in China and that they all sort of spur of the moment signed up with this group called Young Pioneers, which is based out of China that operates these tours. Uh, Young Pioneers is now saying that they're not going to take Americans. I mean, it's difficult for me to believe, and especially, you know, as a parent of teenagers, it's difficult for me to believe that people are, still allowed, are able to go to North Korea. I mean, how easy is it to get there?
2: Um, it's not that hard. Um, You know, there is a travel advisory from the State Department about not going to North Korea, and it's for good reason that the State Department warns people that they shouldn't be traveling there, but there is no outright ban, and one of the things that the State Department is now considering is taking that travel advisory and turning it into a ban. I don't like nanny state rules about this, but the one thing that we often forget is that these tours – uh, funnel money directly into the regime, because 100 percent of Otto Wambier's um, uh, things that he spent for the tour, on the tour, go directly into uh, the hands of Kim Jong-un. And um, there he can use them for missiles and nukes. And because money is fungible, that's what happens. So every time you see a North Korean missile uh, arcing into the sky, that's your tourist dollars at work. And that's why I think we need to ban tourism to North Korea, not so much because we want to protect Americans against themselves, but we certainly want to prevent the regime from having the resources to make itself even more dangerous.
0: And, and obviously, it seems like any American there is vulnerable to you know being arrested for, for a, a relatively minor infraction or just a made-up infraction. I guess there are at least three other Americans that are being held there. Um, what... What would you say about, you know, the incarceration system, the prison system, sort of the gulag that I, I guess exists in North Korea?
2: Well, it's horrific. And as as tough as the treatment that Otto Wambier and Americans have received, it's not as bad as the treatment that North Koreans get from their own system. Um, so, you know, this is just one – this is the most horrific regime on earth. And, and people have got to understand the nature of it. Um, we have uh, we're in a struggle with this regime, and you know they talk about uh, killing Americans by the tens of millions. And although they may not have the capability of doing that today, they will have it very soon. Perhaps within two years, three years, they'll be able to mount a nuke on top of a missile that will oh. be able to reach the lower 48 states. Uh, they can do other things at this time, um, which are incredibly dangerous. Like they can take a nuke and put it on a ship and sail it into an American harbor. Or they can just take a nuke, disassemble it, smuggle it into the U.S., and put it together in the city of their choice. So we've got to understand the nature of this challenge. And so far, administration in it, administration out, they have not taken North Korea seriously. And we are now facing the consequences of decades of misguided policy.
0: Gordon Chang is my guest. He is an expert on uh, both the China And North Korea, he has written uh, Nuclear Showdown, a book about North Korea. Let me ask you, in terms of Kim Jong-un, there have been reports over the years of him assassinating uh, even his own relatives who he feels apparently were a threat to him. Is there any resistance movement there in terms of the underground that you know of or do you suspect that there might be?
2: Well. Throughout the history of North Korea, there have been resistance movements, but they have been easily um, quashed. Um, And right now, there is resistance to Kim Jong-un's rule, but it's sort of passive resistance among senior officials. So far, uh, since he took over from his father in December 2011, there have been about 155 or so senior officials who have been put to death by Kim Jong-un. When you count uh, the lower-level officials that we don't know about who have been just sent to the camps to perish, the death toll could be 400, 500. We don't know, but it's certainly high. And this is an indication um, that there are deep problems inside the regime. The reason why this is a matter of uh, concern for us is you know, we don't care for the life of one North Korean official over another, but we do care that this regime is stable. If it's not stable, it means we may not be able to deter it. We deterred the Soviet Union uh, for decades. We're deterring China now. But it's not entirely clear to me that we can deter North Korea. And if we can't deter North Korea, it means we only have a few years to figure out how to disarm it. And,
0: and why don't you think we can deter it? Is it, is it that there's not that, the strength of a resistance movement there within the, the North Korean country?
2: Well, I don't know if we can deter it or not. Um, and that means we probably have to assume that we can't. And, and it's just the reason is that there is intense infighting among um, senior officials. So, for instance, you referred to the assassination of Kim jong Nam, Kim Jong-un's uh, elder half-brother, and that was done with a weapon of mass destruction. And, and this, yeah.
0: the, this was, was this, uh, you're referring to the attack that occurred at, at, at I believe, a, a, a Filipino airport, right, where somebody walked up to him and Put their hands on his face to women?
2: There's a budget terminal in Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur, Um, excuse me. Yeah, um, no difference, though. Um, I mean, there are people who say, and the majority view among Korea watchers is that Kim Jong-un assassinated his elder half-brother, which in a Confucian society like North Korea's is so much more heinous than it would be in ours. But there are other people, um, respected Korea watchers, who say that, no, Kim Jong-un didn't order that assassination. Other regime elements did to teach Kim Jong-un a lesson. Either of those cases, it, it shows a regime which is in a state of flux And when you have a regime in a state of flux and some of the people hold um, the keys to weapons of mass destruction, we're not sure that we are able to come up with the right formula to convince them not to use their most destructive weapons, Uh, especially if a regime is unstable. We don't know what these people will do. Kim Il-sung, the founder of the North Korean regime, told his son, Kim Jong-il, the father of the current leader, that if you're going to die, you should destroy the world. And I'm sure Kim Jong-il told that to Kim Jong-un. So we're dealing with someone who thinks that if he's going to die anyway, and he very well may because, you know, the guy next to him doesn't like him, then he could very well start a chain of events that could lead to um, deaths outside uh, North Korea.
0: All right. Listen, we have to take a very quick break. Uh, My guest is Gordon Chang. He is an expert on North Korea and as well as China. He is the author of Nuclear Showdown. Let's take a very quick break. More with Mr. Chang after this on News Radio 830 WCCO. It's 723 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. My guest, Gordon Chang. He is an expert on North Korea as well as China. He is the author of Nuclear Showdown amongst uh, a number of other books. Uh, Mr. Chang, we were talking just before the break about Kim Jong-un, the the leader of North Korea. And one of the things I think that has a lot of people wondering, it it does not seem that he is a stable person. And, you know, when you go back to just in terms of some of his actions, his actions against uh, his own relatives, you know, his assassinations of his own relatives, um, you know, I don't remember this very well, but from what I've read of the Cold War – when you look at sort of Joseph Stalin, yes, he was a tyrant, he was a dictator, he was brutal, but at least I, I think there was the indication that he was sane. Um, is there a concern that Kim Jong-un is, is not sane?
2: I'm actually not concerned about his sanity. I think that he is sane, but we got to remember that he operates in a uh, political context where the incentives for him to do things which would surprise us are very high. And so he lives in a very different world, um, one which um, his security is not assured. Um, so I think that if you would take almost anybody and put them into Kim Jong-un's position, you would have someone acting pretty much in the same way. Now, Kim Jong-un came to power in some unfortunate circumstances. His father, his predecessor, didn't have time to train him up, because running the North Korean regime is a very difficult balancing act and also because Kim Jong-un has tried to change the nature of the regime at the same time that he's tried to consolidate his position in it. Those are two very difficult tasks, very ambitious. Um, But, you know, I I think that he is rational. It's just that he operates under incentives that we find to be uh, unimaginable.
0: And is he, um, and he's still very young, I mean, is he... um... You know, and, and for a while his wife disappeared. I mean, it just seems like it's it's an, an extraordinarily unpredictable situation. Let me ask you, what kind of? And I have actually seen, um, you know, CBS News has somebody who uh, actually used to work here in the Twin Cities, who's from the Twin Cities. He was a reporter over there. I mean, I'm just wondering, what kind of? access do reporters have, if at all? And there is an international press corps that does seem to have at least a a nominal presence
2: there. Uh, Very little access. They get to see what the regime wants them to see. You have to think about this in the context that the one American who has had more contact with Kim Jong-un than any other by far is Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and, 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 Um, That will give you a sense of of just, you know, that Kim Jong-un is is indeed strange. Um, um, But it also means that um, he is capable of doing things which would surprise us, because, for instance, his father and grandfather would not have had the friendship with Rodman that he maintains. And this has significance for us, because there is only one individual in the world who can claim both Kim Jong-un and Donald John Trump as friends, and that happens to be the worm. All right. Well, I'm not
0: sure if that's reassuring, but um, – and it is it is extraordinary. And actually, I believe that Dennis Rodman had just arrived in North Korea, and I don't – when, when you know, Otto Warmbier was, was actually – the plane left and brought him back here. Do you think that was a coincidence?
2: Um, I, I used to think it wasn't a coincidence, but I do think that it is now. And the reason is that um, the North Korean regime has a habit – of releasing Americans when they're in bad physical, physical condition. And I think that they knew that, that uh, Wambier was going to die, and so therefore they offloaded him. Um, I don't think, as, as Rodman has claimed, that he had anything to do with the release. Um, uh, we, we know from reporting that um, North Korea's ambassador to the UN in New York got a hold of Joseph Yoon, the State Department's special envoy for North Korea, on June 6th, well before Rodman had any inkling that he was going to be there. And essentially what we have is um, the North Koreans realizing that wan was going to die, didn't want him to die on North Korean soil, and so therefore they started a process with the State Department to offload him. And they were very successful because wan arrived on a Tuesday and died the following Monday.
0: In terms of, um, you know, and one of the things that's emerging is that, and the parents obviously didn't know this, the family didn't know this, is he may have been in a coma for a year, and, and we really don't know what what happened to him. Um, they claim that it was botulism and then a sleeping pill. Uh, the doctors there at the, at the um, you know, who are very, very good, it's a top-notch clinic there that he was evaluated at, uh, said no, there was no indication of botulism at all. I- is it possible they they kept him in a, you know, alive in a coma for a year?
2: It's very possible because the North Koreans have told us that he went into a coma in uh, the second half of March of 2016. It was just right after his trial, and we don't know what happened. Uh, only the North Koreans do. There are, there are two theories. Um, one of them is that uh, Otto Warmbier was so depressed he tried to commit suicide and therefore was able to cut off oxygen to his brain. The other is that they beat him so badly that they, uh, the trauma caused uh, the loss of oxygen, which resulted in the death of the brain tissue. Um, whatever case it is, though, the North Koreans are responsible for it. And so um, the United States needs to come to uh, you know, an understanding that we've got to do something, and we've got to do something quickly because Longbeer has now died, has now been dead for almost a week.
0: All right. And, and, and so far there's, there's been no kind of retaliation. What kinds of possible retaliation do you think we could take?
2: We have all sorts of things we can do. So first of all, we turn the travel advisory into a travel ban. Um, the State Department should— And
0: there were—I there were, mean, the report, at least, of course, the Young Pioneers, there were several thousand people from the U.S. that went there. I mean, do you think it's that many?
2: Um, it's been reported that between four and 6,000 right. uh, Western tourists go to North Korea a year. Um, a lot of those are Americans. I don't have a precise number right. on that, and I don't think anybody does. But, yeah, we're talking thousands of Americans who go to North Korea. Uh, and this adventure tourism has got to stop. As I said, it's not because we are trying to protect Americans from themselves, although we should. Nonetheless, as I said, it's because we want to cut off the flow of income to the regime. Right. Right. And And the other things we can do in, in quick order are we put North Korea back on the State Department's list of state sponsors of terrorism. We toughen the sanctions we have on North Korea, which are not as severe as the ones we had on Iran, for instance, We start enforcing the sanctions that we have on North Korea because we haven't done that, and perhaps most. What are the
0: sanctions that we have right now?
2: We generally have sanctions that prohibit um, doing a business with um, North Korea. Um, but they are applied unevenly, and we can um, make them uniform across the board. Um, And that's the main thing that we can do from a legal point of view. But the most important thing is um, we've had all these sanctions in place for years, and we don't enforce them. Um, And so, therefore, the most important thing is is actually making sure that uh, people adhere to them. And the other thing that we can do, and this is the most important of all, is we just merely enforce U.S. law. We have allowed, for instance, Chinese banks um, and Chinese enterprises um, to launder money for the North Koreans using the U.S. financial system to aid Pyongyang, and that's got to stop. And so I think that what we need to do is take a Chinese bank, such as Bank of China, one of China's big four banks, which was named in a 2016 U.N. panel of experts report for devising a money laundering scheme. I don't think they should be doing business in the United States. Um, I know the penalty would be severe. But we don't have uh, very much room for getting this right anymore. And we have to tell the Chinese, for the first time since 1994, that we're serious about protecting Americans. I don't expect China to take us seriously when we place such a low priority on North Korea. And although, you know, administrations talk about North Korea in, in dire terms, in effect, the priority they've placed on North Korea has been pretty low.
0: All right. Well, listen, Gordon Chang, a fascinating conversation. Uh, We certainly appreciate your time. And obviously, uh, I think a warning to the entire U.S. about uh, this rogue nation. Uh, Thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate it.
2: I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Gordon Chang,
0: folks, uh, he is the author of Nuclear Showdown. He is an expert on both China and North Korea. Obviously a tragic situation with the death of Otto Warmbier. But you hear Mr. Chang saying uh, the U.S. needs to Needs to wake up here and, and do something about um, this, uh, again, rogue nation. All right, folks, we do have to take a break. We're running a little late. We're going to give you some weather. And then uh, to lighten things up, and we need to lighten things up, we're going to visit with uh, Dennis Larson from the Minnesota State Fair about the new foods.
2: Welcome to Play It, a new
3: podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more.
1: Play it at play.it.
0: All right, folks, it is 738 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock, along with studio coordinator Jonathan Lowe. We are lightening things up here, folks. I can't believe we're actually talking about the Minnesota State Fair, but it is, in fact, June 24th. So we're just, what, eight weeks out, I think? Eight weeks out or so. Uh, Dennis Larson is the food guy at the Minnesota State Fair and is joining us right now. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Hi, I'm me very well, thank you. Well, listen, um, and when does the fair start? I mean, it's about eight weeks, right?
3: <clears throat> yeah, we're about eight, nine weeks. It, it creeps up fast, and I you know, hate to say that, but I'm not wishing the summer away, but uh, we keep talking about the end of summer. So. <laughs> All right. So, well, so. And,
0: and, and certainly the fairgrounds are awfully busy today. This is one of um, – back to the 50s is one of your biggest events, I would I would imagine.
3: And it is absolutely the the biggest event outside of the fair that we hold every year. uh, Oh, really? It's a beautiful weekend and uh, a lot of, uh, like, jumping back 60 years as if the fair was really going on.
0: (laughs) Oh, very, very cool. All right, well, let me ask you, because every year this happens and you do the big unveiling, um, how many new foods do you have this year?
3: We wound up with 31 new foods this year, so about an average year, normal, I shouldn't say average, but a normal year. We try to hold it down to a couple dozen or more, otherwise it just becomes a little daunting to keep track of them all.
0: <laughs> okay, and, and I'm just looking at your website. You actually have, because I was just about to ask this and I saw it on, on your website, the, the State Fair actually offers nearly 500 foods at 300 concession locations.
3: Yeah, that's just about the numbers, yep, every year. Yep. Wow. And
0: has it always been that big in recent years?
3: Well, it's it's it has a, actually the number of it's hard to believe but in uh, the last 20 30 years The actual number of outlets is actually down a little bit, but that's because some of the smaller stands and just pop stands and things of that sort of kind of gone away. So we actually have fewer than we had even 20 years ago as far as outlets. But the number of foods, I think, continues to grow. And uh, as we add new foods, some go away in two or three years and most of them hang on. So, yeah, we're just about up to 500 foods total.
0: And I'm sort of kind of looking at some of the lists and I, I feel like I'm seeing some themes developing. Hello, uh, yeah, uh, Bacon. Say. Bacon yeah. is big. Bacon has always been big. But but bacon is super big this year in terms yeah, of new foods.
3: Every year, I think they can't find another way to serve or slice or dice or whatever with bacon. But this year, yet again, they came up with some good ones. And I say they even ran out of. Pig ideas and they came up with duck bacon. Who'd I ever thought that there was such a thing as duck bacon? So, oh
0: wow. Okay. Um, duck bacon. Okay, I hadn't even gotten yeah. that far down there. Yeah. Um duck
3: bacon wontons that yeah, but giggles, yeah.
0: That's what'll Well, Giggles Giggles is is pretty darn good. So that that's one one of my personal favorites, but a lot of bacon and also waffles are big as well.
3: Yeah, uh, variations of waffles and so on with uh, who'd have thought we have truffle, you know, <laughs> truffles at this fair or truffle oil. Uh, never even heard of double black diamond truffle oil at all. Okay, well, we'll have that then.
0: <laughs> all right, yeah. So, and then um, another one that I thought stood out to me, um, deep fried avocado.
3: Yeah. Which sounds yeah.
0: really good actually.
3: Yeah, it's it's kinda tricky because avocados are kinda soft and they they and Daniel Garrett said they took them about almost three years to figure out exactly how to do it, but they got it manufactured. Actually brought in some samples for me and the crew and it was uh, critically acclaimed, I'll say. So it was critically acclaimed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're, uh, deep fried avocado. It's avocado slices dipped in a lightly seasoned batter, deep fried and served with Chipotle ranch dipping sauce. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, mm-hmm. is at Ogera's. So, so the folks at Ogera's actually told you it took three years to develop that.
3: Yeah, they said they've been working on it for a while, and they think they finally got it. So, because it's kind of a delicate product, they get it and you know create it and hold it right. So,
0: okay, and and oh, and then there's the duck bacon wontons. Duck yep. bacon, grilled sweet corn, and cream cheese combined inside deep fried crescent shaped wontons, and served yeah. with dipping sauce at Giggles. That I yep. love. That that's in the place <laughs> where do they still call it Machinery Hill?
3: Well, we do affectionately. We call it or, or the hill. There's not so much machinery no, okay. on there. There's a lot of uh, urban lawn tractors.
0: <laughs> urban lawn tractors, but but folks, that that is that is one of my favorite areas, and that is really the, the walleye cakes there. Ooh, I'm, I'm getting hungry. Hungry just kind of going over this. Let me ask you, Dennis. You mentioned that that um, uh, some f- samples were were distributed to you. I, do you? Who actually tastes all the new foods? <clears throat>
3: we try to whenever possible, especially if it's a product that we don't quite understand. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, and that we probably comes up a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I, it's, uh, thank goodness it's not just me. You know, the old Norwegian guy here, we wouldn't have too much out there. But I've, I have brought in some younger folks and a more ethnically diverse group, and uh, I have them bring in samples, especially the local restaurant tours. So Daniel Gira brought in some stuff. We did dry the duck wontons; they were very, very good. Uh, French Meadow has got a uh, skole nuts; they call it. It's the scone batter, but it's deep fried, which is a little bit different. You don't normally do that with scones, and then it's gluten free, and it turned out to be a very good gluten
0: free. All right, yeah. yay. Yeah. Okay, well, you know something, and I just, I, I just, our, our wonderful studio coordinator, uh, Jonathan Lowe, who's so fabulous and does a, such a fabulous job every Saturday, was looking at the list and bemoaning. That the, the lack of gluten free options, oh, and, and exactly. so you're saying these scones?
3: We've got three of them on there this year. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, yeah. Uh, so we're we're looking for. We try to add three or four every year whenever we can. We've got a pretty good gluten free list too. So, but uh, and yeah. is
0: that available separately? Can people find that? And Jonathan's nodding. Yes.
3: Yes. Uh, literally, it's on the website, and uh a celiac support group uh, does uh, does a, a booth and a handout at the health fair, and uh, that way they can they can get it one or two or three different ways. And there's several dozen uh, options at the fair. And okay, uh, French uh, Meadow does a good job.
1: I gotta say this. I was I'm looking. I'm, fo- I'm <laughs> photo. I'm getting through all the photos of all the foods, and I and I have to say, uh, the first two uh, I looked at them and I said I hate these. I hate these, and the only reason I hate these is because I can't have them. Because I'm so oh. jealous that I can't have them. <laughs> right. Basically, yeah. the bacon fluffer nutter. Yeah. And the uh, bacon up pup. Bacon right. A pup, yeah. and,
0: and actually, yeah. I was I was talking with like one of the interns at, at the TV station, and they had no idea what a fluffer nutter was. But I remember the fluffer nutter oh, absolutely. And and this absolutely. is um wait yeah. a minute the fluffer nutter yeah. let's okay the bacon fluffer nutter grilled yeah. cinnamon bun sandwich with a bacon peanut butter. And marshmallow fluff, cream yep. fluff, cream filling at the sandwich shot. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, but and I, I do want to get back to the, um, uh, the gluten free option for my friend Jonathan. Yeah, they're called exactly. mini sconuts. Yep, and butter.
3: Look at the even the raw cookie dough. They're going to have one variety of gluten free and this chocolate chip.
0: So you can okay. And that. I want to ask you. Okay, I want to ask yep. you about the raw cookie dough here in a second because yep. I had a question about yep. that. But no, um. Go ahead. The mini scone nuts, uh, buttermilk scone holes filled with chocolate, marshmallow, and Nutella, deep Mm -hmm. fried and topped with a dusting of powdered sugar, gluten-free, Jonathan, at French Meadow Bakery and Cafe, (laughs) north side of Carnes Avenue between Nelson and Underwood, right across the street from
1: the WCCO WCCO radio booth. Number one, I, I don't know how how much I can glow about French Meadow bakery. French Meadow really bakery good, yeah. is they really one are. of the best gluten-free places in the yeah. cities. They, they do it. They do it. Basically they do it right. Every time they're organic, they, they do a lot of great stuff. And the fact that they're right across from the WCCO booth does not, it, it's never escaped my eye ever. <laughs> it, exactly. And so um, I, the one thing I haven't done and I've always wanted to try to do is try Nutella, this is my way to try Nutella. Thank you very much, oh my French, French Meadow Bakery.
0: Nutella, we, we live on at Nutella, Nutella at our house. Um, all right, and then let me go. Where, who, now, who is offering the um, cookie dough? Because I didn't want to look at that one.
3: Yeah, the cookie dough is done at the Blue Moon Dine-In Theater. They're the kitschy kind of knockoff from the drive-in theater from the 50s and 60s, and then they do a lot of uh, fun kind of everything from street tacos to flatbread pizza. They do a great hamburger and uh, a lot of fun things like that. And they usually have, they're the ones that came up with the sweet corn. An ice cream and different music oh guess. they're they're and they do very well with what they oh do they're
0: they're well. they're fabulous okay and I'm probably yeah, just yeah, gl- yeah. glossing over it here <laughs> um and not seeing it but this is the cookie dough and my friend Nina yeah. Moyni was like you know had had that on um her TV story and and my question is and I know I saw the description somewhere I'm not having Finding it right now, but it said that it's safe to eat, which is good. I'm sure the Minnesota State Fair is not going to put out something <laughs> that's not safe to eat. But, you know, like every time we've got the cookie dough, I'm like, no, don't eat it until you're we cook it. Because you're Mom not going to. No. Right. <laughs> this cookie dough, though, is safe to eat.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a couple different things. Either in it is trending nationwide. There's storefronts popping up in Manhattan and everywhere, and uh, so we we're glad we were able to capture it this year. Many of them do many flavors. Of course, at the stage where you just can't do that many because you can't get it out. So they're going to do, I'll call it a flight of, of cookie dough, for lack of a better term. And uh, it is, they're uh, They're they're not using eggs. Some of the cookie doughs, they use pasteurizing, but they're just keeping eggs all together as an ingredient. And then uh, the flour actually is, I think, I don't know if I'm using Term, but it's irradiated, so it's absolutely good to eat raw as it is without being baked. So,
0: yeah. All right, and, and Dennis Larson, did you actually say that 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 raw cookie dough is is it a nationwide trend that we should all be aware of? And, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's at least one or two cookie <laughs> dough trucks now in the Twin Cities. Okay,
3: <laughs> I had
0: <laughs> I had no idea. Listen, Dennis, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd like to kind of go over how people can. You know, cause I think anybody who goes to the street f- state fair, I mean, every year my husband's like, you know, I should really like get the chicken wings out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> enter or whatever. Uh, I, I want to go over how you choose, how you get into the state fair, um, what happens when you get in, what the minimum requirements are, that kind of thing. So keep it right here, folks. You are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is uh, 7.51, your WCCO time check. McCarthy Auto World, where you can save 20% off MSRP on select Buick lacrosse. All right, we are chatting with Dennis Larson. He is the food guy at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, We're talking about some of the new foods, which sound really, really cool. Um, Slow-roasted pork mole tamale, fresh corn tamale with slow-roasted pork mole, coloradito sauce, and black beans and Pineapple relish at Teos. I'm a big fan of Teos. Uh, Dennis Larson. Let me ask you first of all: if you already have a stand at the fair, like O'Gara's. Um, O'Gara's uh has um, has the new food, which is which I really want to try, which is the deep fried avocado. Does O'Gara's have to come to you even though they've been there for years and years and years and everybody knows they're fabulous and everybody loves them? Do they still have to come to you, Dennis Larson, or the the food committee and say, hey, we've got a new food?
3: Absolutely. It's a very sad to say in this day, but it has to be a very formalized process Whether there's a new change food request form it has to be in by a date certain with all the details and the information and photos so we understand exactly what the product is because it is somewhat lucrative to make this list as you and I are talking about it and gives them some additional publicity and a lot of sales. So we have to be very careful that we uh, go through that cautiously and get the best new foods and uh, that it's all uh, uh,
0: for the best, and, and and you say that you try most of these, especially the ones that you, you're not sure exactly what they are. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, uh, I got to admit, duck wontons. I, I only had duck once in my life. I wasn't sure I wanted to know
0: a time, but it turned out. I bet. I bet. I, I bet that's amazing because I love duck, but um, yeah, yeah. I bet that's really good. Okay, so yeah. even even somebody who's really established like an O'Gara's, has to come yeah. to you with their new product, and and you've got to say, and, and do you, I, do you ever say no or.
3: Sure. Well, the two parts, there's two parts to that is that O'Gara being an Irish pub team. He has to bring us a product to kind of make sense with who they are and what they're doing. The avocados were a little bit of a stretch, but we thought with a bar food or finger food, that type of thing that goes good with uh, uh, an adult beverage, we thought was a good choice. But all of them, I always say the simple may is, is, <laughs> is that the, the hot dog guy can't become a hamburger guy. And the hamburger guy can't become a hot dog guy. Okay. So that we kind of keep them in their in their who they are, and what they should be doing.
0: All right. Then, then how about like the new guy, somebody who's got like I mean, who is like brand new here?
3: Um, uh, and that's a good question of the uh, of the new foods, three of them on this list are from a new operator that's going to be running the Hideaway Speakeasy in the upper grandstand. And he's got the like the Fall Guy sandwich, which is a great... He's got the... Because uh, the whole thing is kind of a running 20s gamester mob team type of thing. So he's actually going to have about 12 new foods, but we just couldn't feature them all in fairness to everybody else. So you've got the Swing Dancer sandwich. He's got the mob caviar in the fall. Oh, that
0: looked really in. good. That was okay. I yeah, saw yeah. that. That looked really good. It was like a the mobster's caviar is the yeah. cream cheese dip with crab meat, green onions, fresh red pepper, and water chestnuts served with whole wheat, flatbread, crackers. And that is at the Hideaway Speakeasy, Is located in the veranda. So it's the grandstand upper level northwest section. Exactly. Okay. The
3: west half of the grandstand has been converted to this kind of themed area with local crafters and so on, just to give it a, a real feel rather than just uh, you know, a bunch of shops and so on. So we're really looking forward to him being a draw. Hence the name, you know, and will they be able to find me? I am on the second floor of Speakeasy.
0: <laughs> right. So. But 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 do they have to have like um do they just come and say, here we are and here's our idea with all these sort of mobster themed sandwiches or do they have to have a proven track record somewhere else? I mean how does it work? Have,
3: absolutely they we had in fact what we call an RFP request for a proposal for that, and we had about a dozen people put in a very uh, aggressive, ambitious, and it was difficult to choose who we chose, but uh, these guys just seemed to have a good track record and uh, have had some experience in doing these types of foods, and uh, we, we had the confidence that they could get the job done and do a good job.
0: And do some of the new candidates, do they have to have a proven track record at other fairs?
3: Absolutely, yeah. And everybody told me, well, how do you get into the fair? And I said, well, it's not the most exciting thing. I said, but you have to have a proven track record with experience, have worked other large fairs, or at least a lot of small fairs around Minnesota, and have really dealt with dealing, you know, uh, serving a lot of people in in a Big hurry. I mean, a lot of restaurants doesn't mean you're good at a fair or a festival. You know, even the grand old days and county fairs and things of like that sort. Of as uh, more the most important part, I think the perception as may is that if I have something brand new, batter dip, deep fried on a stick, Dennis will let them in. Well, that's not it. It's more important that you have a good track record with product. We have a couple of new operators that didn't even make the top ten list for the, the new the new foods, but they're new operators. I mean, Quay Viet has been around for quite a while. They're Minneapolis operator. She's bringing in the bubble tea and want the iced coffee. And but she didn't make them this because it's egg rolls and wontons. So, well we've always had egg rolls and wontons. It's really not pair of the people that are here. But we needed more of them and thought we'll bring them in. So,
0: Very cool. Uh, um, and where can people get information about entering and what the deadlines are and that kind of thing? Absolutely. Obviously it's too late for this year, but for next year. Yeah, week.
3: yeah, this year we're all done. We're getting everything put to bed. But yeah, on our simple website, mnstatefair.org. And if you if you just scroll down on the bottom, it says Becoming a Vendor. And it has a lot of basic information on there about becoming a vendor okay. at the State
0: Fair. Well, Dennis Larson, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh joining us and, and giving us a preview of what we can all eat at the state fair.
3: Absolutely. I enjoy your annual visit
0: with me. All right. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Coming up, Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. hi And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it.